0: Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. You've been with us for the last... Five weeks, we've been in this book of Job. This is an actual book in the Bible. Some would say uh, maybe the earliest text that we have in the Bible. It's the story of a man whose name is Job, and he goes through many trials and much suffering in his life. And as uh, we've learned from the book of Job, that uh, its genre that it's classified in is known as wisdom. The wisdom that we learn from Job is how to walk with God in the midst of the storm. And we understand that because uh, Job experiences much suffering in his life, and that is not something unique just to Job. For all of us, because of the world that we live in, we will experience brokenness and suffering. Now, Job uh, experienced a lot of suffering. He was Uh, one who, as we've learned, uh, ended up losing his wealth, he loses his family, his health begins to deteriorate, and then he has a group of friends that come and give him some poor advice. But we learn from Job... In the midst of his suffering, what it looks like to walk with God in the storm. And if you were with us last week, we talked about uh, three tangible truths that we have to hold on to in the midst of our pain and suffering when it leaves us confused and angry. I'm not talking about simple pain with simple solutions, but the complexity that pain can bring. And it's these three truths that we hold on to, the presence of God, the glory of God, and the resurrection of God. And now uh, we come towards the end of the book of Job. In fact, next week is our last week in the book of Job. And uh, truthfully, it's a week that I've been waiting for for a while. And so I really want you to be here next week to hear what God says in the midst of all of this suffering that Job experiences. But chapter 28 is kind of the apex moment for Job, and he writes a poem. Now, anybody here a fan of poetry by chance? Anybody like poetry? All right. Um, anybody not a fan of poetry because you're just like, I don't get it at all. All right. Yeah. Uh, we're about 50-50 split here. And if you're listening carefully to Job's words, they're really confusing because he's writing poetry. All right. And uh, But my hope as if you've ever walked with somebody who... Uh, loves poetry and breaks it down for you, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, that was really cool. I just didn't see it at first glance. My hope is that today for us. Because I'll be honest, I'm not a poetry kind of person, but looking in this text more and more and learning in this text, there is some incredible wisdom for our eyes to be open to that Job is showing us. So I wanna go there first in verse Fifteen and 17. The first thing is that Job in this poem is talking about wisdom. He's saying that wisdom is so valuable to the life of every human being. Notice what he says right here. He says, it being wisdom cannot be bought for gold and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir. In precious onyx or sapphire, gold and glass cannot, cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for the jewels of fine gold. Job is essentially saying here, uh, basically, that that wisdom cannot be purchased. No amount of money gives you wisdom. You can't buy wisdom from somebody. And at the same time, what Job is also saying is that its value is more than any amount of money that you can possess. The value of wisdom is more than a car or or the amount that's in your bank account. Wisdom is so incredibly valuable. Well, you might say, okay, what in the world is wisdom? I love this definition uh, by a guy named Tim Keller. He says, the Bible would describe wisdom or define wisdom as this the understanding of how things work, the understanding of how the human heart works, times and seasons, how life works. Wisdom is understanding the how we live and move and be for the purpose of this, so that you will make masterful decisions. Wisdom is so valuable because we want to make masterful decisions In our lives. I've never met somebody who's like, you know what, I just want to be known as the one who makes dumb decisions in my life, right? No, we want to make the right moves in our lives. And in fact, wisdom gets played out in so many areas of our lives. But let me explain this. Uh, Think about it this way. Some of life's decisions... um, just require more fact, right? Like, um, for example, if you get sick uh, and you begin to like go to the doctor or somebody and you say, all right, um, uh, here's my symptoms, here's what's going on, and, uh, and so you tell the doctor and they prescribe you a medicine, right? And then you're like, what you need in that moment in that decision is you need more facts, right? And then, uh, example of like, well, what I need to understand this life's decision is, is that for, is this the medicine that I need over that medicine? What I need in the process of making life's decisions in some moments and times is just facts. I just need more information. So that's true. Or in life, sometimes what we need is just more character. We know what the right answer and the wrong answer is. So for example, should I lie on my taxes? Right? Right? There's a right decision in that and there's a wrong decision in that. And generally, what is the difference between the two of them is around character, right? So, so sometimes in life, I need facts. Sometimes I need character. But I would be willing to argue that in life, we need wisdom more than facts and just character. For example, the question of, should I date this person? I need some wisdom on that. Should I break up with this person? I need wisdom. Should I marry this person? Requires wisdom. And if you're asking the question, Should I marry this person after the, that question of Should I break up with this person? the answer is probably no, all right? But wisdom is needed in our lives in so many different ways. Should I change my career? It should, should I open my mouth to confront somebody on a situation that's happening? Should I shut up and not say anything? And when you start to think about it, you start to realize that wisdom is needed in our lives more than just facts and character. It's something that we need often as we move forward. How do I handle my personal relationships? Uh, how, do I, how do I be the best parent? It's not facts and character, I need wisdom. Uh, how do I advance in my field? All of these require wisdom. And true wisdom, as the Bible would define it, is competency with regard to the complexities of life. Job says its value is more than any amount of money and gold that exists, and you can't purchase it. So the next question becomes, how in the world do I get it? Well, Job moves into the next part of his poem. He says this in verses 12 through 13, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. Job just drops a bomb here, and I don't know if you caught it. He says, where shall wisdom be found? And he answers it by saying, it's not found in the land of the living. And this is a massive statement by Job. There's this guy, his name is uh, Alistair MacIntyre. Um, he's a Roman Catholic uh, uh, philosopher. And uh, McIntyre uh, is a, a brilliant man and, uh, and has studied a lot on wisdom and things like that inside of uh, American society here, Western culture, as I'll call it. And uh, today, in the 20th century, we've been told uh, and I'm speaking in a general sense here, we've kind of moved God out of the center place of our society, and now uh, he's kind of turned or become uh, on the fringe here. And as a result of that, uh, it's not an assumption that all believe that God created everything. In fact, some would say that we are a product of random and blind cosmic physical chemical forces and evolution. We just happened and we were not created by God. And as a result of that basic uh, belief of our Western society and culture, some have argued that religion is just silly. It doesn't have any place in society. It's not worth your time. Go do something else on Sunday mornings. But also on top of that, when we deal with the big problems of life, some have argued that religion shouldn't speak into those. Like big problems, what I mean by that, are like war, violence, racism, poverty, and injustice. And instead, inside of our society, we've argued that we can tackle these big issues and problems by science or technology or just use human reasoning as a result. It's a long introduction to say McIntyre says this in regards to wisdom. He says, imagine that there's a watch. And somebody were to ask the question, is this a good watch or a bad watch? McIntyre says, somebody raised their hand and said, you know what? That watch right there, it's a bad watch. You want to know why? Why? Well, because uh, earlier today, I was using the watch, and I have a nail that is sticking out in my house, and I took the watch, and I beat it against the nail, trying to hammer it in, and it didn't do anything. That watch is a bad watch. Now, some of you are tracking along with me. You're like, who in the world said that, right? Because all of a sudden, somebody else rose their hand, and they said, no, actually, Uh, That's a really good watch because the watch tells the time. It's generally right on time, and it does what it's created to do. See, what McIntyre goes on to say is this. Before you answer the question, is that a good watch, you have to answer the prior question to it. What is the watch for? This is an important distinction because the question of purpose will determine the value of a thing. So back to the big problems of this world, the big problems of war, racism, poverty, injustice. The only way we can begin to tackle these problems is if we come up with a common consensus, a definition of what good is human life is. What is human flourishing? McIntyre says, before you answer that question, what is good human life? We have to stop and go back to the prior question. What are human beings made for? What is the purpose of life? And as I said before, We live in a society today that will say that we're here by accident, that says you don't need God or religion, good and evil are just a matter of opinion. But science will give us information and facts about things. They will tell us what something is, but not what it ought to be. I want to be clear here. I'm not like saying that we should disregard science and medical advancements and things like that. And in fact, if you think that's what I'm saying, show up here in a couple weeks because we're going to talk about science and faith and how they intermingle. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying in regards to wisdom is what Job is arguing here and what McIntyre says as well that we must understand what the purpose of God is. And when someone says that there's no purpose in this world, when someone says that human beings don't have a purpose, what we are subtly doing is we're taking God out of the equation. And, and truthfully, that can be as dangerous as trying to use your watch to nail in a nail, to hammer in a nail because we have to know the purpose of human beings. So Job says the wisdom, that wisdom is not found in the land of the living, but instead it can be received with fear and trust of God, and he does this really masterful thing here. Look at verse 20. It says, from where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? If this sounds familiar, it's just a couple of verses before or after the question that Job has asked. Remember verse 12, he says, but where shall wisdom be found and where is the place of understanding? And in verse 20, he says, from where then does wisdom come and where is the place of understanding? It's interesting because there's an important distinction. While these questions sound similar, they are different. Notice here, in verse 12, he says, From where then does wisdom come? As if wisdom is, is something to be searched out for, that you have to go and find, that you have to read all of these things to finally become wise. Job says, no, that's not how you find wisdom. It's not in the land of the living. But instead, what he says, this question, he changes his question. But where does wisdom come from? And as a result of that question, he's asking, can I receive wisdom? The answer that Job would come to is yes. Yes. We can receive wisdom because it is revealed to us. He finishes with this verse here that's important. He says, And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil understanding. I've used this analogy before, but it's worth repeating. I don't know if you remember us talking about this, but um, there was the first human being who ever uh, made it to space. His name was Yuri Gagarin, and uh, he's from Russia. And uh, it was reported that when he went into space, um, whether he said it over an intercom or in an interview later, it does not matter, but it kind of went viral amongst uh, a bunch of people. And what he said was, we've put a human being into space and when he got out of the atmosphere, he assumed that he would all of a sudden see God, as if God was just waiting, this old man, like waiting out of the atmosphere and like waving at the new astronaut, right? And he says that there was no God out there, as if he went to the heavens and he didn't see God, therefore God doesn't exist. And was interesting is uh, uh, there's this Christian... Uh, Christian man named C.S. Lewis, uh, who was an atheist and, and converted to Christianity later in life, a brilliant man, and uh, and Lewis responded to that statement that was made by the Russian astronaut, and and what he said was this: He said that if there is a Creator God, then we wouldn't relate to God as a person on the first floor relates to a person on the second floor. It wouldn't be like we just have to go up a level. That would be impossible. We'd re- we would relate to God the way Shakespeare relates to a character in one of his plays. I love this image. This is beautiful. In other words, if Hamlet wants to know something about Shakespeare, he will learn nothing by going up to the rafters and looking at him. But if Hamlet is going to know anything about Shakespeare, it would be as if Shakespeare would have to write some information about himself into the play. In order for Shakespeare to be known, he would have to be written into the play. It would have to be revealed to Hamlet. Hamlet can't find it otherwise. This is a beautiful perspective of what God is revealing and showing to Job. That God would write himself into this world. Not like we have to go to some great length in, in, as an astronaut to go and finally find God. But that God himself, who is the creator of all things, would write himself into the story. In fact, this is what Job then goes into his poetry. Poetry. He says that God has created all these things. For he has looked to the ends of the earth. He's seen everything under the heavens. When, he's, when he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning and the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and he searched it out. This is God has created all things. But, but there's something even more beautiful than just God in creation what we believe that is even better news is that God himself writes himself into the story. It's not just that he created and then stepped away, but this is the foundational piece of our belief that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, would take on flesh and he would come into this world as an infant child and he would come and teach us the ways of God and how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to act. And some of those were really simple and cool ways. And in other ways, it was challenging and was countercultural. But this God, Jesus, would come in and not only show us and teach us, but He would give His life for us, become a sacrifice, and rise again from the dead. I love these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It says this, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from god it's just beautiful the wisdom of god was brought to us in flesh by jesus he came into this world for us and so i remind you in job 28 verse 28 and job said and he or rather god said to man behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. And I get it, though. Like, when you hear this, you might say, you know what? Um, I'm not really a big fan of the word fear. What do you mean by that? Like, I got to be afraid of God like a, like a terrible, scary movie or something like that? Is that what fear Really means. Well, I believe uh, that we've kind of lost the, a bit of the richness of this word in our English language here. Because certainly, yes, fear is one of those things that um, as I'm afraid of something or scared of something, that Um, that makes me respect it and and have awe for it. I'm afraid that it will hurt me. And there's, there's a part of that of what our relationship looks like with God. But I would say the other side of that coin is this, that because something is so beautiful, it can be scary, intimidating as well. I think of, for me, Uh, the day, and it's coming up on 11 years, when, uh, when I was standing at the altar and waiting for my wife to come down the aisle. And I wasn't scared of her because of the way that she looked. She was absolutely stunning and beautiful. But I was shaking and nervous. And if you've been there before, you know that feeling, right? Of like, what in the world am I doing right now? A fear of what is in front of me is not that I'm just necessarily scared of it, but even in its beauty, I can't imagine the weight of what is in front of me. And that's why C.S. Lewis and... In his book, The Chronicles of Narnia, I don't know if you've seen the movie or, or read his books before, um, it's, it's a beautiful tale, uh, the story of, uh, basically a story of the gospel, of uh, the good news of Jesus, and, and the Christ figure is Aslan the lion, and if you've never seen it before, yes, the lion talks, all right, it's a little, uh, just kind of the genre of how it was, how it was told. And, uh, and Aslan, as the, the Christ figure, is in Narnia, and a reputation of him is going throughout Narnia. And, and people, as Lewis writes in the book, are asking about Aslan. They're saying, um, is Aslan safe? And there's this beautiful line in the book where the people say, of course Aslan is not safe but he's good. And this just hangs in the balance as a description of who God is. I think sometimes we make God into this safe, comfortable thing that we can manage. He's not safe. God can do whatever God desires to do. And if Job understands that, he gets that in his own life. And I have a feeling that many of you have felt that before as well. God, what in the world are you doing? God's not always safe. But he is good. And so my hope for us today is that we would have this scary level of trust that Job seems to have with God. One that he's willing to trust God above all other things. He acknowledges that wisdom comes from God. It can't be found in the land of the living, but it is revealed by God in what he has written into this world. And that wisdom that he gives us is more valuable than gold. It's more valuable than anything that we can purchase. But it's found in him. So my hope would be that we would lean into what he has to say. We would lean into his words and the wisdom that he has given. In fact, if anything, may we see once again that that's the mission of this church to look, live, and love more like Jesus, to look at what he has to say, to love as he says, to live as he lived, because he is the true wisdom for this world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who works in this world, who brings wisdom here to this place, and I pray, Lord, that as we see your hand at work again and again and again, may we, may we just be grateful and thankful for, for what you are doing. And I know that that can be easy when things are going in, in our favor, when things seem to be smooth. But God, may we learn more as Job had learned to look to you to seek out your wisdom, and not that we can find it, but but know that you've revealed it to us through your word and through your son. May that be our hope. May that bring us joy and peace, especially in the midst of suffering. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.